You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. It's January 19th, 2023, and you're listening to episode 319 of the PHP Ugly Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and every week I get together with some of my developer buddies, and we talk about our development world, what we're working on, tech, and anything else that happens to kind of come to mind. We also enjoy our discord channel who join us live every week at this time thursday night nine o'clock p.m pacific time and they participate in the show so if you want to be part of the show you want to head over to phpugly.discord.phpugly.com i've only been doing this for four or five years you think i would be better at it but surprisingly i'm not (laughs) We would like to thank our sponsor, Honey Badger, for uh, throwing us a few ducats for the show. We will talk about them more a little later. And as always, we'd like to thank our patrons on Patreon, who for unknown reasons like to sponsor us as well, and are honestly the people you should blame for the show continuing on at this (laughs) stage. With me tonight... Are my aforementioned development buddies, John Cundin? I have questions. Lots and lots of questions. And Tom Rideout. I too have questions. Before we uh, get into the questions, I need to apologize to everybody listening to this podcast. I am home alone today, which is a very rare thing. I have a hyper troubled dog who just is begging for my attention, playing in the office, and continuing to throw things around on the floor. So you're going to hear a lot of background noise. I almost set up a camera for her so that you guys could see her and what she's doing in my office, because she's driving me up the wall, but I didn't do it. So yeah, if you're listening to the audio podcast, that's what the noise is in the background. And you all listening to the, watching the video, it's the toaster. The toaster dog trying to get my attention. I, I like that most of our episodes open with an apology. <laughs> it does seem to be a, a, a running it's, scene with us, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm sorry you're listening to us. <laughs> it's, first <laughs> off, our bad. Second off, let me introduce the co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> well, to his credit, it was the other way around this time. That's, that's right. true. It did, it did make it sound a little bit like it was our fault. Yeah. Uh, first question. Tom, I've always known you as being a good beer drinker, usually a really good IPA. I saw you grab a Coors Light out of there. What is going on? I was, I was told to keep it a little bit sober for the podcast. Uh. <laughs> So, so you're just going with flavored water now? That's that's brave of you. Yeah. Is, Cor- is Coors Light like a big beer there? Because isn't that like a Colorado thing? Isn't it the Rocky Mountains? 
Is that, I mean, is that their IPA out there? It's Coors, Coors Light. Light. They're the they're the crystal clear Pepsi of beers. <laughs> oh, we no, sorry, we wanted to get sponsored by Coors Light, didn't we? You know, we'll uh, take it from anybody. Yeah, sorry, Coors Light is uh, cold as the Rockies. <laughs> That's do, do the also not true. Color? It is. It is cold. Yeah, the cans still change color. It is also colder outside than this beer is. So, also not true. <laughs> but if I'm going to keep myself a, a bit together after missing an episode for being, we'll call it overwhelmed. Uh, then yeah, Coors Light's the the beverage of choice for tonight. Do you want to talk about the overwhelmingness? Sure. I mean, that's so what was going on. How's my week? I have purchased a house. What? Con- con- congratulations. I mean, it yeah, is. Congratulations. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> it is a, uh, an unpleasant process. Not, not fun at all. And I also released a three month project last week, which. It had it had a relatively smooth launch, but with a fair number of bugs that needed to be addressed at all hours of the night, and it that kind of when you work on something for three months and then release it and then have twenty five thousand users come in, it causes an amount of stress, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so thankfully, my friends here on the podcast were understanding of that stress, and uh, I was I was granted the ability to continue drinking into the night. <laughs> it's rough. I mean, the the whole project went very smoothly uh, to the to the point where the project manager said, Hey, this seems like it's going too smoothly. Are you just not talking to me? Is that what's happening? Uh, at, but the release day, there's always going to be something. Uh, we had, uh, CSV uploads that had extra lines in them or invalid email characters. Uh, we had things that we just hadn't accounted for at all. Multiple users simultaneously interacting with the same, database objects. So there's just, there's just stuff that you experience can teach you to plan for, but you can never really, really plan for. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, a lot of those edge cases are your users using the system differently than you kind of planned on. Yeah. Told them explicitly not to like, please don't do this is an instruction on how to do things you don't want them to do. So there was a lot of stress, uh, but was it really an all nighter where you had to fix bugs all night? A couple nights that that week, yeah. Oof. Like I said, we I, I believe we onboarded one hundred and fifty thousand users in a period of three days. So it was it it had its moments. So I want to get back. But to it's the all house. good now. Yeah, we'll do that. But he's here. He's he's sober. So <laughs> he made, he made it through. <laughs> <laughs> get back to the house. What's the that, what's the story there? What are you, what are you moving? 
Uh, so we we close on the twenty seventh. My birthday is on the twenty ninth, and nobody expects to hear from me until the second or third of February. You're, That's, you close on the twenty seventh. Yeah, in in like a little over a week. Like yeah, a week and a day. Yeah, that's a very fast. Well, you when we had talked two weeks ago, you had just done the inspection, right? Right. So that included like repair to the sewer line, repair to the uh, furnace system, the uh, radon mitigation but, system. But you were already under contract at that point. I guess. I mean, like th- this idea of this idea of being under contract did not get well explained to me because did you, apparently I'm did an you adult and was check? supposed to know. But did you write a check to to seal the deal? Like, well, yeah, nothing happened. Okay, then you were under contract. Well, but I was told, like, hey, sometimes they just don't even cash the check. What? <laughs> I don't think that's the thing. <laughs> sure. I don't know. Well, congratulations. Uh, thank I'm, you. I'm thank you. And, and terrified for you. I tell the, you. the first thing we're doing is remodeling the house, which I think I've, I've been told is not a good sign that you've bought the right house, that the first thing you're doing is doing remodels. But uh, no, it's going to work out. It's, it's, a, it's a great place. It fits the whole family, which I was against initially. But uh, I'm on board with for the time being. <laughs> well, that's fantastic, man. <clears throat> Happy for you. Oh, also, uh, I've, there's been a lot of complaints about my audio uh, having a lot of breathing. Mm-hmm. So I have socked my microphone. You got you got a condom for your mic? That's fantastic. you're a little low now. I was I, I wasn't going to call it out. But. It's just it's just a sock. We'll see how it works out. Okay. If long term this fixes issues, then I'll get an actual like windsock. But yeah. the big thing about this house, I have an office. I do enjoy and, my office. And boy, there are gonna be there are going to be weekly treats for the viewers as I slowly build my server rack behind me. And my cats learn how to harass me in my new office space. What in the world do you need a server rack in your home for anyway? That is none of your business. I am I am very curious about that. I mean, back <clears> in the day, like late 90s, I could understand that. But nowadays, why? I actually had a server rack in, <clears> in one of my houses. My... I had a... Was it a quarter rack? Half rack? My oldest son... Small is signing up for uh, business school. He's going to college. We're very proud of him. And my wife was asking me what the last four digits of my credit card number were because she was going to buy him a book for his class that was only $180. And I screamed like I have never screamed before. You are not buying a college textbook it was loose leaf. It was just a printed version of the book. And it was a rental. He had to return the loose leaf pages so that they could destroy them. Now, 
Pirate. So you found the PDF? Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying piracy requires a certain amount of rack space and prestige. It's mo- it's mostly the prestige. I have been looking at the most blinky rack components you can get. So, so that- it's just a faceplate with a bunch of blinky lights yeah, that don't yeah. do anything? Mostly. Okay. Just right behind me so that everyone can see, yes, my GitHub activity log is not fantastic, but at least I have a rack in my office. How about you, John? How was your week? Uh, good and bad, I guess. Stressful. Got to fly yesterday, which, you know, is far and few between with all these storms that have been going on and was hoping for much better. Got, did three flights, two minutes, two minutes, five minutes. And I was like, can I please stay in the air for more than five minutes? I am now a hundred and Officially 108 flights in, and I'm only at less than 14 hours. That's frustrating. Uh, So that was the good part. Uh, Still having random issues with, like, databases. And uh, yesterday, just before 5, when I'm getting ready to walk out the door, uh, we used OpenFire as a Jabber server or XMPP server that all of a sudden just decided to stop working. And it was an easy fix, restart Jabber or OpenFire, except for the fact that doing a restart would not work. And we're sitting there like trying different things, doing a stop, then a start worked. Frustrating. That That is... That is a Linux problem I haven't heard in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time. Uh, this this uh, open fire is probably 20 years old at this point. Uh, I've been doing daily standups starting this year. Uh, the teams at Foamer were, you know, they're up to like 10, 15 developers and they split up into three different teams, which this is my first time in a, like multi-team environment like that, even in Diego Dev, now PHP Architect officially, which is exciting. That's a whole nother story. Uh, we've always been a, a cohesive team working together. So this is the first time in this kind of situation and doing the daily standup at 8 a.m. While it's good in the motivation of, I need to get in and really get going right at eight. There's the downsides of, I'm in the middle of walking my kids to school. I'm like, all right, I got to turn now and get back. <laughs> I can't make it all the way to school with you. So it's different. Been a different year. But like I said, officially as of just a couple days ago, PHP Architect, all of our employees are PHP Architect employees. Super excited about that. So proud of that. I'm I don't, so excited. Uh, I don't know that I understand the the business behind that. What do you mean? Can't you just say like yeah, you're all you're all these guys now? It's more of where is the money coming from? Where is the money coming to from the clients? Uh the actual paycheck to the employees is coming from PHP Architect now, not from Diego Dev. See I I think I feel the way about that, the way that Eric feels about project management, which is like, oh, God, I don't want to know. 
please stop talking. It's been a pain in the ass. Like the amount of work I've had to do to, to push this over the finish line, the constant contact with the payroll company and the, all the benefits providers. It's just, it's a ton of work. So I'm excited that it's done. (laughs) Let's be clear. It was all John. I'm not, I'm not even saying that sarcastically. John really kind of took the, took the helm on that and, what I mean, I I might have been pestering him a little bit about getting it done, but he was the one reaching like, out. All I could say was, "I'm sorry, I, 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 <laughs> there's nothing I can do at this point." Yeah, I so. I don't mean to sound condescending, but with my teenagers, that's exactly how I describe doing the dishes at dinner, where I'm like, "Listen, I'm glad we're all here, and we've all got clean dishes." <laughs> We couldn't have gotten here without Milo's effort. He woke up. <laughs> he woke up at two o'clock in the afternoon to get this done, and I'm very <laughs> proud of him. <laughs> All, right. All right, Eric, you're weak. Somebody in Discord just reminded me of part of of both of our weeks, so that will come in handy. Well, if, after you talk about your week, if you're looking at the Trello board, everything is queued up, so don't jump ahead too too quickly. Uh, you know, my week has been somewhat of a blur. We are official empty nesters here at the at the uh, at the uh, I can't say where I live at the new house. Uh, we are at the Showcom household. We we moved to this larger home, like the largest house we've lived in. Since we've been a family, the largest house I've ever lived in. I've never lived in a house as big as this one. But we did it specifically so that everybody could have space. Everybody was adults by that time. Everybody was kind of getting on each other's nerves on top of each other in their other house. So we come here and we get into this big house. And almost immediately, one of the kids move up to, moves up to San Francisco. So, okay. Whatever. They were twins. We have one of the twins. It's pretty much the same thing. You know, we never saw <laughs> they were, them. They were, they were twins. Who's going to... What kind of twins would do the same thing at the same time? Right. Well, I mean, you never saw them in the same place at the same time very often. So so mentally... Okay, so are you sure that they're twins? Is this not a Tyler Durden situation? No. No, it's not a Jeffrey Wade Taylor thing. It's, sure, sure. We definitely have two kids. Anyways, the the other one has decided to move out. So I uh I and I support it. I might have been egging them on a little bit, like, hey, you're 25. You know everything I accomplished by the time I was 25? Moving out of my parents' house was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh we we are we are empty nesters and uh, I helped uh, helped them move uh, a good chunk <clears throat> of their stuff yesterday and then the wife uh kind of finished it up today and the wife has not returned home and i don't think she's returning home i think this was all <laughs> ploy to to leave me alone with a maniac dog i i think that's what's <laughs> happened here uh yeah so uh yeah the kid is back uh back down in san diego um nice nice old place i got to see it yesterday 
and it seems happy. So it, it was actually they moved uh, pretty much across the street from where we were having our meetups, John, before the pandemic. Oh yeah. So they're 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 right in that area right there, and and it's hard to explain if you're not from San Diego, but there's this trolley system that's the closest thing they have to a subway, and they just put in a trolley station, like really close to to where they're living. I, I think they could actually walk to it, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm happy for them. Nice. What what brought them back to San Diego? Just wanting to get out of the house. You egging them on to get out. <laughs> Again, adults, they were ready to start their life, to stop being so dependent on us. But the fact that they, when they started working, um, this is the one that, that's becoming a nurse. Uh, they got a job in San Diego. So we don't live in San Diego anymore. And it's a solid 40 minutes to an hour drive uh, where they're working at now. Now, I say that, and where they live in San Diego, it's still probably going to be a 40-minute to an hour drive to where they, <laughs> where they work. It's just going to be a lot more traffic. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it was a, a little bit of a little bit of wanting to be closer. They, they also are, they're also coaching a high school water polo. So they had to be there late at night sometimes, and it, it's just easier for them to, to, to stay down there. And I support it. I mean, they needed to. They needed to get on with their life and move out of the house. The wife doesn't agree with me so much, and I can appreciate that. The wife, uh, the wife is very upset that I, I allowed it to happen. I think, but I think allowed it to happen. What's that? What's that? I'm allowed it to happen. I would. I, I would. Like you had a choice. Yeah, I would. I would call out the the core tenets of being a male feminist, which is I do not tell women what to do. That's probably smart. Especially, especially, you know, a man in your position. You should just be grateful that they pay you any attention. Yes. A man in my position, which is a man buying the biggest house he's ever lived in so that he can house his children who are destined to soon move out. That's right. That's right. Very. All right. Excited. So sounds like something you just did. That it it is precisely what I just did. They'll they'll all leave you now, Tom. All of them. I mean, if that's what it costs, that's what it costs. <laughs> I would have bought a house sooner. Damn it. <laughs> okay, so so John was ready to jump into it. Oh, did you have something else, John? I I just wanted to go back uh, one more thing, just because we didn't really do much coding in our weeks. Well, Tom did a little bit. Um, I finally got code i've been working on geez it feels like it's been two three months now which is annoying and now doing these daily stand-ups for the whole week it's been like nope i didn't work on that i'm gonna work on it today something else comes up nope didn't work on that good work on that today finally got around to putting it to bed the other day code uh, got the pr out for review and that is just a load off my shoulders uh, it's event sourcing code. And the frustrating part was I spent a good two months, like getting it to the point I had it at. And then only to find out that somebody had done work on the existing system that I then had to backport into 
Is it really backporting or is it foreport? Foreporting. Foreporting. Bringing it forward. So refactoring to the new code base. A, a, <laughs> a rebase is technically a four port. <laughs> well, it's not a rebase because I wasn't refactoring the old code. I was writing, I took the old code, um, left it there, and then wrote brand new event source code to do basically the same thing. And then somebody added functionality to the old code. So it's like a, like a anyway, taint porting. It was annoying, but it's done. I can move on with my life finally. To taint the head, taint the feature branch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, somebody in Discord has already made reference to it, but John and I have officially relaunched the PHP podcast, and we... We have a we have kind of a new format to it, and seems to be people seem to be liking it. What are your things? I, what are your thoughts? I need to get the get it out onto the mailing list, you know, to get more feedback on it. But I enjoyed it. I, I like the format. I like that it's a little bit. It's a shorter uh, podcast, you know, where we run usually an hour plus we're going to try and keep this one under 30 minutes. Uh, it was, it's, it's fun. I was, I like it. I was going to say for those of us who don't listen to our friends, podcasts or even their own podcast, what is the new format? Uh, so in the past we took the month's magazine and literally went article by article. And we, Eric and I would just discuss the article in depth. You know, we'd get to some that we had more experience with, so we would have personal conversations around it. But it really was just a, up next, we'd have this article, and up next, we have that article. And it was very... The idea behind it, if I can cut you off really quick, the idea behind it, we we didn't just do that because we, we wanted to do it. The idea was, if you didn't subscribe to the magazine, maybe you would hear some of the articles that were being released and be interested, because you can buy individual copies maybe you'd realize hey this is this is one that i would be interested in and of course ideally you do that a couple times and realize it would just be cheaper if i had a year subscription but that was the kind of thought process behind it yeah um the new format is just it's kind of like this but a little more php architect focus where we really focus on the business, what we're doing with it. Obviously there's going to be a lot about tech. There's going to be a lot about the magazine. Just like this one, there's a lot of apologizing because <laughs> just right off the I bat did. Just it's what I did on the very first one. Was, <laughs> I got, I have to apologize. That's the next podcast we launch is just going to be the apologies from all the, uh, the other podcasts we do condensed into like well, a compilation. Well, the the funny thing is you, you said that about this podcast. Our very first of the relaunch was an apology. The very first thing on the board for the next one is another apology. Is it? Oh, I, gotta, yeah. I guess I got to look at the uh, – I guess I need to look at the call sheet, man. <laughs> but John isn't even getting into some of the nuts and bolts of it. We uh, are – 
it's now also a video podcast, whereas before mm-hmm. it was just an audio podcast. And then I would take the audio podcast and I would make a YouTube video from it, but it wasn't really us. And I think next next uh, release, release, I guess, next release, next episode, we will maybe do it live because it, it flowed really well. It, it seemed like it was pretty easy. So I think we're going to... I know we're going to eventually go live, and I, I I think we're probably ready to go live with starting with the next show. Yeah, it's definitely not overly produced or edited, just like this one. You know, it's it's us. We 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 are who we are. We say things that we probably shouldn't. Right. Speaking and, of and which, hoping, like I, I I think I tweeted about today where it's like a little inside baseball. I, I'm hoping people enjoy that john and i discussing some of the challenges some of the things we're planning on some things we're working towards obviously we talk about tech a lot uh yeah i don't know man i'm uh i'm liking it so if you if you haven't subscribed yet head over to youtube.com forward slash php arch that's php a-r-c-h and subscribe and yeah, watch for the podcast to come out. It is good stuff. And look, it's versioned. It is Simver. It's Simver version. Oh, don't get me started. Cores Light can't stop me when it comes to that. <laughs> now, I noticed the YouTube channel is using a new logo here. Did you the, notice that? Oh, I did notice logo? that. What new logo are you talking about? A. Really? A an obviously male elephant, but you appear to have omitted the giant elephant penis, which I'm a little upset about. What? It's got it's got the tusks. Yes, but there is no things we did. There is no large elephant penis. <laughs> we 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 added a little little something to to the logo. And uh, John, uh, John really boosts my ego with this because we have a, I guess you'd call it like a marketing service that we work with. Because I, I had done this because I, I, I had done a logo like this because I wanted to see what it looked like on a t-shirt, and I had ordered some t-shirts to to test it out. And when we started having a conversation about it. I'm like, well, do we want to look at modifying the logo? Because John's John brought up the point, which we're, we are already aware of that the, the logo is just that pyramid looking a, which a lot of places use, including one of our sponsors, uh, in the the magazine at one time. Mm -hmm. But you know, you know, who, who never uses, a certain element in their logo. Giant elephant penis. I, I think you're, you're drinking a lot of Coors Lights. Anyways, <laughs> John really boosted my ego because we reached out to this this marketing service that we use. I'm like, hey, we, we want to change the logo. It, it can be like a small change. The elephant is the PHP mascot. And kind of going on and on about it. And they were sending us all these kind of ideas, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't like any of these. And John's like, Yeah, really, I just kind of want to go with what you had, and let's just go with that. 
Really? That's what I it's what I wanted from the beginning. I was like, I like that. <clears throat> Let's like riff on it and we changed it a little bit, made the elephant bigger than what you had in the your first example, but Yeah. Yeah, the stuff they came up with was not good. Yeah. So yeah, I I feel good about it. I'm like, hey man, I made something. I made something. So I was happy. I so like I, it. I feel like when you guys make a logo change like this, though, you're talking about stickers and like you're talking about a lot of money getting sunk into it because you you're going to have stickers for PHP Tech, right? Of course. So yep. did it? You act like stickers are super duper expensive. I mean, they're not yeah. that much. As a matter of compared fact, compared to compared to the rest of the conference, we were holding off on some marketing material because John John was like, "I don't I don't want to invest in that now. Let's let's settle on the logo before we start doing this other stuff." And yeah, so stickers. I'm not worried about stickers. I actually need to order some. We don't have the new PHP Ugly logo as a sticker, which we need to have before we go to tech. So yeah, there's that. And how long we've had this new logo for a while? Yeah, almost a year. So it's probably time to get stickers for it. We have a yeah, but group. I, we but can pass it that what if there's some kind yeah. of problem when you're generating stickers online? How would you even know that that happened? We don't, we don't have to buy into his stuff, John. <laughs> what, did you have something else you wanted to say about the stickers? <laughs> no. This is this is the second time he's made this please. Like I think he's trying to crowbar it in. He's trying. He's trying I'm to trying to help. <laughs> okay, all right. Where are we at? Let me let me. We're, what what Tom is trying to do is transition us to our sponsor. So let me pull that up in. Yes, because Mister Mister I hate project management says follow the Trello board. Don't diverge from it. <laughs> Let's thank our sponsor, Honey Badger. When you're in production, a thousand things can go wrong. You could deploy a bug in your latest release. Your background jobs can silently fail. Someone could trip over the network cable at your data center. And this all comes back to you. You need to know when bad things happen and be able to respond to them quickly. That's why we built Honey Badger. It's easy to install Honey Badger in your backend applications and front-end JavaScript. It only takes a few minutes of configuration and you'll have monitoring done. That's because we hook into popular web frameworks, job systems, and the browser, so that when any of them crash, we can automatically let you know. We ping your application from our global fleet of servers to let you know about problems with connectivity, latency, and SSL certificates. And we monitor your recurring jobs to see if any of them stop recurring. When there's a problem, we alert your team using the tools you already use. We can create issues in GitHub, Jira, and other issue trackers, and send notifications via Slack, PagerDuty, or other channels. When you click through, you'll be taken to detailed information on the error. You'll see things like request parameters, headers, user information, and the backtrace. Click on any line of the backtrace to view it in GitHub, Bitbucket, or your local editor. When you fix a problem, just mark it resolved and follow up with the affected user. That's Honey Badger, where the monitoring tool for web developers would rather be, well, developing. Thank you, Honey Badger. Thank you, Honey Badger. Thanks, Honey Badger. <laughs> I'm on board. You, you had, you had that just not on time. Commercial debate. 
did you say something, Tom? Nah. Oh man, your video is way off for me. I don't know if it's like that for for John, but in OBS, you're you're like way off. It's weird. Yeah, everyone's off in OBS. You can't use OBS. You have to use the no, video I, feed it, from it, Ninja. It, it, it syncs. It syncs up fine when John's talking. Now, now you're back in sync. Don't tell me, man. Don't tell me. Hey, man, I'm getting fiber soon at my new house. Love the fiber. Oh my god, I love the fiber. So nice, John. Do you have fiber? I, I do not. But we have a good topic to talk about before you jump into what you're going to do next. Okay. Lazy me 114 in Discord says, I've been programming for five years in PHP. I know Laravel and made some projects in it, but I don't know TDD and any design principles. Is it necessary to know these things to be a better developer? If yes, then how or where can I learn these techniques? The key word like- there is better developer, right? So with that, carry on, John. I, I feel like they were just teeing that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard the good uh, word of PHP architect? Yeah. Um, so TDD is wonderful once you get your he- head wrapped around it and you actually practice it. It's not something you're going to pick up and start doing right away. It, it takes a long time to get into your workflow. Uh, design principles, uh, design patterns, priceless. When you start learning different ways to do things, I... I'm still looking back at code I wrote just a few years ago and hating so much of it. And again, going back on the apology tour, apologizing for it all the time because it is horrendous compared to using good design patterns. I mean, did it work? You, yes. You say a few years ago, I can go back a couple days. <laughs> uh, that's, if, that's true. When you're really in the, the learning mindset, Every hour is like a complete refactor of of everything you've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've when I was doing SDPHP, we would have these meetups where I would I would leave it just grossly disappointed in myself for not having done it earlier, and I would spend a weekend completely refactoring something I thought I had nailed. <laughs> Like being a better developer is, is, is it, it's a very open-ended way of asking the question. But it, it, being a better developer, it, it's a lifelong learning thing. You should always be learning how to be better. You're never going to be if the best. Right? I can inject we can always a little improve. bit here. Is it okay if I inject a little bit here? Please do. Lazy me 114. I guess the first question is, do you develop professionally? Are you a professional PHP developer or Laravel developer? If the answer is no, my advice to you is just keep enjoying coding. Yes, you can learn these things, but don't stress yourself out over it. Just enjoy coding. If you're a professional developer and you are a PHP developer by trade today, learning design patterns is such a valuable thing to have in your back pocket because it will translate from uh, programming language to programming language. It's not a one-for-one translation, but if you understand domain-driven design, then you can kind of, you you kind of learn how to apply it to PHP. You learn how to apply it to 
rust or whatever you move on to. That is huge. To John's point, test-driven development, it's kind of one of those secret sauce things that really good developers can do. And, and it, it's, it's a commitment to understand how to do it. And there's arguments of whether or not it's even worth understanding. But it's definitely that leveling up that you'll want to do if you want to continue to be a professional developer. I'm not saying you can't learn it if you're not a professional developer. I'm just saying don't stress about it. If you're, if you're a hobbyist and you're just coding for the fun of it, just, just keep enjoying coding. And along that same line... If you're a hobbyist, don't be shy about going to user groups or, I don't know, PHP conferences that might be coming around. Because you don't have to be a professional developer. If you, if you really enjoy it, if this is something that's fun to you, surround yourself by other people that it's fun with, including professionals. And, you know, just enjoy it. So I don't know. I don't know what your story is, Lazy. Just have a good time. Learning is always fun. I would never discourage you from learning, but make sure you enjoy it first. And they are a professional <clears throat> developer. I, and I can one-up that and say that... I take back everything I just said. If, learn it. if you're a professional developer and you've been doing it for five years, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a professional developer in 15 years or 10 years. You might end up doing S-debt testing. You might end up being a project manager. You might end up being an architect. And as an architect, understanding these design patterns, which are universal to all programming, can be everything you need to know. Uh, If I was going to go into a Java shop as a project manager, I could. I could know zero Java and go in as a project manager because I could say, well, I understand how this pattern works. I understand how object-oriented stuff interacts with itself. And I can understand how TDD is a design pattern that you would want to use for making sure this thing works. So these are all skill sets that are not just programmer-specific, but overall, you know, global knowledge space stuff. Right. And, and, and you say you're a professional developer, so obviously you don't need to know this stuff to be a professional developer. But if you want to kind of keep advancing in this field and keep growing in this field, yeah, you probably design patterns and you learn it. I mean, just hanging around. Once again, I don't know your specific situation. If you're part of a big shop, if you're a one-man show, if you're a one-man show, it can be really difficult to surround yourself with other developers who are doing other things, but that that exposure is you'll you'll just start to pick pick this stuff up. But yeah, definitely go out there and learn it. Uh, I would I would strongly recommend that. It's it's well worth it. And I, I would go Helps if you like it. a little more abstract from that is that if you ever have the question, do I need to know this programming thing to be a better programmer? The answer is yes. Because knowing things always makes you a better programmer. Yeah, it's that whole kind of like the, you know, I'd rather know it and not need it than need it and not know it sort of situation. I'm fine. I'm fine having junk information in my head that I'll never apply somewhere, but it bothers me when I'm faced with something that I don't know how to do. Yeah, and, and even if it's something you don't like, if, if you do TDD and learn it and don't like it, 
in a professional setting, when someone says, Hey, we're thinking about doing TDD, you need to have your voice. So even if it's something you don't want to do, being able to voice why you don't like it is right. just as valid a reason. At least That's you know why. Uh, you know, we big data was a huge thing for a while. Uh, crypto is the current big thing. And you'll have executives come up to you and say, hey, we want to do big data. We want to do crypto and blockchain stuff. And if you don't understand it and know it, you can't explain to them why we can't do that or shouldn't do it or it's a terrible idea. So just knowing that you don't like it is a good enough reason to learn it. Well said. Well said. But user group and conferences are a great way to learn things that you don't even know you need to know. And magazines. Exactly. Big, fan of, big fan of magazines. If you're a professional developer, there is absolutely no excuse for you not to go to tech happening in May 16th through the 18th. What are we doing? What are we looking at? Come on. Uh, I won't zoom. I say it yeah, doesn't have autofocus. It doesn't autofocus. Auto <laughs> but it does say the magazine for PHP professionals. That's right. Yeah, I got, got mine in. So yeah, get on board. Whole, get on board. Forgot that. about the whole autofocus thing. Well, that's Tom, a difference. Tom slipped away, and I, I actually wanted him to be part of this next conversation. So I wonder if we can, if we can, uh, kind of. He'll be back in t- two seconds, I'm sure. Yeah, but I don't know. Is there something else we can talk about while he's gone? I got a question for you. Well, you know I mean? before we go back to huddles versus Zoom, what are your thoughts? Do you have opinions on those two different things? I do. For me personally, uh, mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of uh, screen sharing and uh, huddles on my Linux machine just goes wonky on me. Every time I try to do Does screen really? sharing, yeah, it just it's just not as pleasant of an experience as Zoom is. And um, yeah, I, I prefer Zooms, even though it's a little bit more to kind of... The huddles are nice. And, and if all I'm doing is audio meeting or if somebody else is sharing their screen a lot of time i will default to the huddle but if i think i'm going to be sharing something or if it's going to be a long meeting i will zoom it because if you huddle in a channel it's that you you've basically you're using the huddle for that entire channel so you have to go off and create these side rooms which why 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 do that right Mm -hmm. so i i kind of like zooms personally but i have no problems with huddle it's what the the interesting thing is, and we're talking about Slack. If you don't know Slack, Slack and Zoom. Slack has this concept of a huddle, which is basically everybody can kind of do audio and share video and share screens and that sort of thing. Kind of the same thing Zoom is. The interesting thing is before huddles, Slack had the ability to call. I think they even called it, they even called it calling. And you, you would right. call and start up these meetings. And we have a client that refuses to use Huddle and will only use Call. And they know that I think the end of this month, that Call ability is going away. Slack is, is going to remove it. And I'm just kind of like, why don't you start, just start using Huddle? Like, why are you not <laughs> using Huddle now? Just use it. And they, they keep, they keep using the call. They're like, nope. They, 
pry it from my cold dead hands. Like I, I, hope I think they get to that. They like the ringing. I think <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. whole concept. Yeah, some of the I'm other thing. Type. I prefer Zoom for a handful of reasons. One being uh, recording. You can't record huddles yet. That's a great point. And I do like recording meetings, Thank especially God. when decisions are being made and you would like to have some sort of record of that happening. Right. Uh, I haven't had the screen sharing thing, but I also haven't shared my screen a lot in huddles. I use them for the stand-up now, so it's a very short period of time I'm in a huddle. But the, the other thing is the screen share is just another participant in the huddle. So you have to zoom in on that one person's on the uh, screen share yeah. and you, I think you can still see everybody else, but it's minimized versus zoom where I could have this, the screen share like full screen. And then I can move all the participants off to the other monitor and I can kind of see everything going on. Yeah. And if you really want to get into it um, from, from an organizer's perspective, I think zoom also gives you a lot more control over Okay, now they're presenting. This person can't talk. Mute this person. You have a lot more control over your meeting in Zoom than you do in Huddle, because there's no there's no host in Huddle. Everybody is kind of mm. equal. Right, makes sense. I I will say that when I'm talking to people that I don't talk to on a daily basis, or if it's a formal meeting, we use Zoom. But if it's an informal, like, hey, explain how this shit works, then we use huddles. It's like, hey, me and you, we're going to talk. It's going to be back and forth. It's not going to be eight people. The huddle is like, it, it's it's impersonal. Not impersonal. It's casual. And <clears throat> that, that, that's a good idea. I think the fact that you can't record a huddle. It, it, you know, is is part of that. Like, yeah, this is just between me and you. This is not. There's no managers here or bosses here. It's not on the calendar. Because everything I do with Zoom is calendar driven. And, well, that's another good point, right? I you can't schedule a huddle, right? Yeah, that's uh, another. So, that's a so, good, another good point. The way I use it is a huddle is like walking over to another programmer's desk and saying like, hey, no, I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through this. This is easy. Um, and and <laughs> huddles are calendar aware if you have things set up correctly. So if I'm in a meeting, the huddle will say this person's in a meeting and probably can't join. Right. And, and another aspect that I think we need to consider, John, specifically kind of who we are we will often engage with people outside of the company and that just huddles doesn't work there. That That's true. I like huddles only when I'm by myself, jump in a huddle by myself and you get the nice tranquil music. <laughs> <laughs> you get the on call, uh, the on hold music. Yeah. John, you you're, the, you're thinking of elevators again. Relax. That is a thing, isn't it? All right. It is. Uh, Tom, I, I we we were we were buying time for you to return because I wanted to make sure you're a part of this next topic. Something came across my uh, wire to this week, and I'm curious. First, what are your opinions of it? And Tom, I think 
you touched on a similar service in the past, but the one I'm talking about today is called LaraCheck, which is this auto pull request review service. I'm not yes. sure if it's using AI or if it's just doing like a PHP stand, or I guess it would be a Lara stand against against your PR. But this is one of those, and, and I, I don't care to get into the details. I really don't. LaraCheck is a, a, a PR review service specifically for Laravel. That, that is a key component in this conversation. This one is designed because it understands Laravel's patterns and how Laravel works. So it can kind of do <laughs> yeah. more in-debt sort of uh, review. Which makes me laugh. My first question is, to this, this is out to both of you. How do you feel about this? Like, do you feel this is worth doing or should everybody just be using something like a static code anal- analyzer like PHP stand? It's complicated in the sense, in the sense that it is complicated. Setting up PHP stand or Lara stand is difficult. You have to set these things called baselines where it's like, yes, I know this is an issue and I'm ignoring it. And setting up baselines for uh, PHP Stan is currently a massive pain in the ass. And I would bet you that what this service is providing is just a better interface to managing baselines for PHP Stan, as well as integrating the rules for Laristan, which... You know, one of the big advertisements here is N plus one detection, which is like the reason Laristan exists is to understand eloquent and N plus one stuff. Uh, missing eager load in resources is N plus one detection. Those two, those first two arguments are the same thing. That's how you do. I and plus, the missing EMV variables, as as silly as it sounds, can actually be really beneficial because you don't you don't commit your actual EMV file or most of the time you don't commit your actual EMV file to your repo, so people will add these features and add these uh, variables in their .env file and then forget to like update the sample or to forget to let the team know. Hey, well, by the way, you have to add this new AWS variable that I created to your .env. I think that actually has a lot of value, at least to me. But how, how would that one work unless you give your CI environment access to your production ENV, which... No, you, know, you give it uh, you give it a .env.example file. But that doesn't mean that it's going to work in production. Correct. Get it in there, so it's well, kind no, of a... No, I correct. mean, all, all, all it would do would scan would scan your oh i see what you're saying it wouldn't know it wouldn't know what's in your .env file i was about to say it's easy it, for it to determine what should be in your env file i get what right but it's not checking your production one my yeah. my guess is that they give a a quick bash script for your pipeline to make sure that your env matches your example env yeah i, I was about to say I, I think i think what they probably do is they they enforce you to add everything to your example.env. I don't think there's any like magic behind it. Just says, right. hey, here, here are all their environmental variables in their code. Here's everybody in there. Here's everything in their example file. If something's missing, throw up a red flag. Yeah, and then missing database indices. 
obviously they're comparing your migrations against your relationships and your models. Not hard to do. Uh, incorrect dependencies, that's part of PHP STAN. Missing foreign keys is the same thing as database indices. I don't know why it's there twice. But we, we keep saying that it's like PHP STAN or Laristan, but there are so many CI tools out there that help automate like running PHP unit or running uh, your PHP CS. It's like they just built an interface to make it easy and automatic versus you having to set up your own pipeline, your own GitHub action, your own uh, Jenkins build, whatever it is to run these things. So it's just a, Hey, we'll do this for you. That goes towards what Eric was saying, which is that a company I worked for previously did pay a lot of money for this service that was essentially somebody quickly reviewing every PR for the PHP stand errors that it threw and making a human readable comment saying this thing is missing this. And it was something like 45 bucks per user per month. It was a lot of money. I was actually going to get to that. The, the, The pricing of this seems very reasonable to me. So nine bucks a month billed annually, 25 repositories, Unlimited checks. Un- unlimited, unlimited checks. I mean, that's... But see, I feel like this is a GitHub action that's being sold, which I'm not against. I'm not against mm-hmm. at, in any way somebody creating a great GitHub action and selling it to you for nine bucks a month. I just kind mm-hmm. of wish it were more of a transparent, mm-hmm. like if there was a GitHub actions marketplace or something like that. Uh, because like I said... Missing eager loads and N plus one are the same thing. Missing indices and missing foreign keys are the same thing. It's selling itself as having nine features on its homepage when in reality it it has six or five. And if you, you know, I'm sure it's got some custom coding behind it that actually executes, you know, more human readable stuff. Um. But it is – it's a SaaS product, and SaaS products are covering things you could do yourself but don't want to. That's what they are. Exactly. And I didn't have any issue with it. I I would be curious, I think, to try it, but I was just wondering if uh, you, you two had any, any issues or thoughts on it. Well, I checked. I checked out the roadmap. They have a, a roadmap link. I, I recommend looking at that because where where is that? So on the homepage, mm-hmm. in their in their top nav, they've got pricing, product features, roadmap. Gotcha. And the roadmap has one Nothing item left. <laughs> do, do you see what this is, John? It's Notion. It's Notion. Matter of fact. This this over here is also Notion. I, I was trying to think of a quick way to publicly share all the PHP Arch new variations of the new logo, and so I threw it in Notion. They're they're actually doing the same thing. Yeah, kind of makes me think I should be investing in Notion. I tell you, Notion is really I, I I'm enjoying it. We're using I, it more and more. That's for sure. 
so what was your point about the roadmap, uh, Tom? I, just I just that it's but, it's complete. Like if if oh, I wait. if I spent an hour, I could probably add twenty items to this roadmap. The fact that it's done makes me think that they don't care about maintaining the product. They only care about Ooh. adding new customers. Wow. Some spice there. I don't, I don't mean to be spicy. A little, sh- little shade throwing. It's a, a, it's the core's like talking. You're throwing shade. <laughs> but this now is the crazy. question is whether or not this uses AI. And AI is... Stupid. It's real weird right now. Um, so if you know the general industry that I work in, uh, you know that AI is kind of like the question everyone's asking, can AI do therapy? And the overwhelming response from the company is like, no way, never, ever, ever. People talking to people is the essential component of therapy. We are never considering AI. But somebody did and tweeted, we provided mental health support to about 4,000 people using GPT-3, and here's what happened. And I'm amazed that the tweet is still up because what what a horrible experiment to perform on users. Now, the person says that this was a that, – that users were aware of the experiment and that chat GPT stuff was not being provided directly to customers or as mental health. It was being provided as prompts to therapists. But it appears – it, it, it was also being supervised by humans. Right. But it appears that – it was just a, a line item in an end user license agreement. And the, it, I, 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 I totally get what they're going for, which is to assist the process of mental health care with AI generated prompts. But the therapists are people too. And they're tired and just copy and paste the responses. And there was no oversight as to what how the how the input was being provided. But did you actually read the thread where they said they, they pulled it from their platform pretty quickly? Yes. Yeah. So I can't imagine they, how it ever got on the platform in the first place, is what I'm saying. Gotcha. Like that would not well, be even, I, I think you're. I think you're absolutely crazy if you think AI is not going to be a, a key element in future medical care. Oh, absolutely no! Medical care, it it is already in place in physical medical care. AI is better at detecting lung cancer in X-rays than doctors are, but. The the mental health sphere is so different than physical health. You you cannot see a spot on an x-ray and say, there's the mental health. 
let's address it this way. Yeah, but that's that's because we're so early in that field. I I have no, I have no, so AI can take in a hundred years of mental health care to kind of start to evaluate things on where a, a human humans are just flawed in general. We we bring our own biases, we we bring our own agendas to us everywhere we go whether we're supposed to be professional or not. And you can now there has been, there have been studies that say we as human are breeding that into AI. And that is a valid conversation to have. But my point being, I I hear what you're saying that you need that human interaction. And I don't think, I don't think it should ever fully replace a, a person. But I also, I think, I definitely think it can do mental health. I, I have no question it can do mental no, health. No, I, I definitely think it can do mental health, but one of the one of the observations from what this group did was that clients were more satisfied with the care provided by the AI than provided by a licensed therapist. And that gets me into this whole causality versus uh, outcome thing. People who are incredibly happy with their therapists might not be getting better. They might be happy because their, their therapists are validating their biases and making them feel better without actually becoming better people. And this is the, the big flaw of AI is that we're measuring AI's success as customer satisfaction, sometimes, especially in therapy, the customer needs to not be satisfied. They need to be challenged. Mm. It's mm. It, mm. He, he's. I agree with that. Mm. So I, the the thread, the Twitter thread says, "Hey, this was a a great success for us. We canceled it immediately." And apologize for not being clear enough about who was receiving this treatment. Like there's a lot of, Hey, this was, this worked out great for us, but then lots of apologies and explanations later. Like that is not how you run therapy. You do not run therapy by saying, I'm glad you feel better. By the way, you are a worse person for it. That's fair. All right. I want to move on, but I am going to do it over our, Patreon supporters who we, as we said earlier, appreciate very much. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. The one thing I wanted to kind of move on with while this is up and running is I might be late to the party on this. This might be something that everybody already knows. And again, this falls under the whole umbrella of AI sort of thing. We use here in the house we don't use slack we don't use discord uh, or or zoom we use google chat to talk within the family and and it's kind of cool because we're all starting to use video chat now because since everybody is is not local not not in the same house anymore but i came across something where we have like a family chat where every everybody's in there, all, all, all the entire family's in the family chat. And I I came 
into the family chat once where there's been this long conversation going on that I wasn't a, a part of, nor had I seen. And when I entered the chat, Google said, hey, here's a summary of what's been talk- been discussed while you've been gone. It gave me a summary of the conversation my wife and kids were having before I came in. Is this something you guys knew about? Did, were you guys aware of this? Uh, I've I mean, never I seen this. I have not seen that. <laughs> it is the all. coolest thing. It was right. It was 100% right. It was a very quick summary, and I forget what the summary was, but it hit the mark on what it was. Yeah, but what if it doesn't? Well, and, and it's clearly watching the conversation. That's the thing that was freaking me out. It's like, hey, wait a minute. You're watching our conversation that closely? Like, you're tracking who's listening and what's being discussed? And I don't know. That freaked me out pretty pretty good, but it was still <laughs> very cool. Useful. Which, mm. so, so somebody shared this Twitter status with me, and I shared it with you. This Andy Berman from vowel.com. And it does the same thing for your meetings. But I think it's not it's not like a plug-in or something you can use within Zoom. I think vowel.com is their own meeting software like Zoom, so they're trying to compete in that space. But the whole thing is they will take your meeting and then break it down and have a summary of what the meeting was as well as a full transcript. From you it. had you had shared that with me, and I thought that was super cool. Like I, I, I didn't so see useful. Where, where you could sign up for. It. Did you see a way to sign up for this? I have not. I will totally like want to try that. Along that same line, oh yeah, though, it's on it's on their right on their website. Sign up. We might need to sign up for this. Along that along the same line, we had our Zoom call this week. And John was absent. Something about being part of the family and watching the kids. I don't know. He wasn't there. It was, it was World Inventor Day. I didn't go to was, school. It was very funny because this participant joined the meeting, which, again, I don't know how it happened. I assume John had configured it, like had given it permission to join. This this participant joins, joins the meeting as John's Otter AI. Uh. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> and John, so John signed up for this service, which I, I also have, and, and tied it into Zoom. And without realizing it. Without realizing <laughs> Click it. Click buttons. I, I guess it, did you look at the, tran- did it transcribe the whole meeting? Because it shared with me saying, hey, your transcription is ready. I'm like, well, let me take a look at this. And then I clicked on it and there was nothing there. It was just a blank page. Can we not brush over the without realizing part? Because. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Because I went to John. I'm like, hey, this is really cool. I have that same service. I'm paying for the same service. How did you configure yours? Because I can't seem to get mine configured. John's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I clicked the buttons and it worked. So somebody shared it with me for uh, uh, Merge PHP. They're using it for uh, for transcriptions and stuff. And so I signed up to see what was going on there. And it's like, hey, do you want to install this? I'm like, sure, I'll try it out. So I just, sure, sure, yes, yes, accept. Yeah, you can have my firstborn. Go. <laughs> and we're done. 
That's... And I'm not paying for it. I never, I never like oh, signed you're not up for any. For no, no, no. He gave it access to his meetings. It pays for too. itself. I... So I, I'm paying for it, and <laughs> I actually. Well, Why you're the you sucker then. Well, let me finish explaining. I actually, I, I'm paying for it because of the of the minutes, right? I we're paying for it, John. You're you're actually paying for half of it. You just didn't know. <laughs> But I paid for it because of the minutes. And I actually pumped in, I think, three years of PHP Ugly into that service and got all those PHP Uglies transcribed. It's one of the ways I can go back and say, okay, when did we talk about Tom moving first? And I, I'll, I'll go back and search search our archive for it. I, I love it. But that was like a, a uh, manual process that I went through. And Derek, was it Derek? Yeah, Derek, um, uh, XDebug Derek turned me on to it. He was using it to transcribe his podcast. I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool, and it was it was pretty accurate. And he's like, yeah, I do I do a lot of stuff in post, but it does a pretty good job. And I'm like, yeah, let me let me give that a look. So yeah, I signed up for it, and I, I've had it for a few years, and I, I just keep pumping in now. The workflow I have now for the podcast, I actually use, um, I think, a Google service that does it. And it doesn't do it nearly as well as Otter did. Like, Otter Otter, Otter will learn voices. So it, it knows my voice, John's voice, Tom's voice. And as I, as I feed in additional uh, shows, it'll just automatically start breaking things down. The one I'm using with Google, the API I'm using with Google, just just transcribes everything that's being spoken, but you don't know who's speaking it. Hmm. Fascinating. So why'd you why'd you switch to the Google one? Uh, I, I was able to tie it into the, uh, another service we use. I, I use to do a lot of the podcast cleanup, like uh, normalizing the sounds and and trying to remove some of the static. It just had this. It said, "Hey, do you want to transcribe your podcast?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And we had like three or four services, and the only one, I, you know, the one that looked familiar was Google. I, I go back every now and then and see if by chance they, they'll add Otter, but they they hadn't the last time. All right, so I think that's a we are running long on time here. We are running long. I, I, I since this is the apology show, I need to apologize to John. John had queued up a Trello card of that last story, and I, I, I had when I saw it, I, I'm like, oh, that's. I thought I'd moved that over. I thought it was Tom's card, and I had moved it over again. So I, I skipped right over it. I, I'm sorry. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to skip over you there, John. No, it's fun. All right. So, like I said, this year, trying to end on positivity and good, good vibes. So we're going to wrap up the show, but let me just say. It's very easy to uh, be hateful, to talk down to people who don't look like you, who don't think like you, who don't have the same beliefs that you have. It's up to you to be the better person not to do that. It's not even this whole putting yourself on a pedestal because you're above people. Just be a good human being. Just be a good person. And... I have been very fortunate in my life where because of the way I was raised, because of my parents, because of 
my environment I was brought in, I was raised in, I've always been very open-minded with the people I interact with. I don't have to believe what you believe. We cannot agree on things. It's fine. I've got to, because of that, I've been able to experience a lot of culture, a lot of good food, a lot of great stories, a lot of history. And that has done nothing but made me a better person. We are in this age where it seems like the world is like polarized. You're either all the way on one side or you're all the way on another side. And it doesn't have to be like that. It's not meant to be like that. And I'm not just talking about the U.S. I'm talking about the world. We're not meant to be like two magnets that can't be pushed together. You know, we're meant to find a common ground. And that's all I'm saying is if you're having trouble dealing with a person or dealing with a topic, don't dig in so deep. Look for a common ground. It makes everything better for everyone and the world becomes a better place because of it and because of you. So that's my little speech for this week. I appreciate everybody watching episode 319 of PHP Ugly. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep, Keep it ugly. ugly. One, two, one, two, uh, coming off the top, y'all know how we do, listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish, I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric, yo, he's never on some average shit, you know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate, I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song, yo, shout the host named Thomas, cause he's never wrong, yo, shout to John, you know that he's smart and quiet, unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot, I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me, shouts out to PHP, the ugly, it's called ugly cause it's not professional, but I'm about to come through and bless you with style, so let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room, yo, the segment of the show is called doom and gloom, that came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this, I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise, yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish, we talking about the PHP, the programming language, about to break it down, no exaggeration, what do y'all do for a living web applications, okay, I I can dig it, my words spray tight, uh, they're getting together on the Thursday nights, yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude, I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube, so let's get it, you know my lyrics are major, all up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing, keep it ugly, we ending every show with the saying, it's lovely, let's go, yeah, come on.